I want to talk to you for just a few minutes tonight about four keys to healing a broken heart. Four keys to healing a broken heart. Uh, because as we enter into, especially this season moving forward, it seems like more discouragement, more depression, more heaviness, more loneliness uh, seems to be forefront in people's minds than ever before. More suicides and more suicides attempts uh, during these holiday seasons. Uh, a lot of the reason is because the focus is on family. The focus is on Christ. The focus is on, you know, wonderful things. And people look at how not so wonderful things are in their life. They get discouraged and depressed and, uh, go down the pathway of taking their own lives. We see it. We see alcohol abuse and drug abuse at a whole nother level during this season. So I want to kind of get ahead of that. Not maybe necessarily for you, but maybe so you could use this to help somebody else because we are all about helping people find freedom and you're going to come in contact with people who are discouraged, people who are depressed, people who are wounded, people whose hearts are broken. And maybe because of the Christmas season, they haven't been able to really uh, enjoy the season because while everybody else is talking about what they did at Thanksgiving with their family, they were sitting at home alone and maybe their heart is broken right now. Maybe you're here tonight and your heart is broken for whatever reason. Or maybe you're watching online and your heart is broken. I want to share with you just four simple keys to healing your broken heart. They're not difficult. They're not challenging. They're just simple. But if you embrace these four things, I believe you can see your heart healed. You can help somebody else's heart to be healed. Number one, you got to believe that God loves you. You simply just have to believe that God loves you because you say, well, that's just so simple. Everybody knows that. Well, no, the people that are discouraged, the people that are hurting, the people whose hearts have been broken, somehow or another believe that God must not love me as much as he loves somebody else because he allowed me to go through this while somebody else didn't have to. And somehow or another, the enemy gets inside people's heads and makes us think that God doesn't really love us as much as uh, maybe we've been told because we are suffering a broken heart. But you got to believe without a doubt that God loves you. In fact, Romans 8.32, love this verse of scripture. It says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? In fact, what the scripture is actually saying is, if God was so good that he was willing to give up his only son for you, what makes you think he won't give up something else? What makes you think he won't do anything else for you? If he was willing to give up his own son, come on, there's not a need that you have that he won't supply. There's not a problem that you have that he won't intervene. If he was willing to give up his own son, he'll do everything else for us as well. There's no doubt that he loves us. He was willing to give up his own son. You're loved not because of what you've done, but because of who you are. You are a son and a daughter of our most high God. In fact, Romans 5, 8 says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Meaning, you know what that means? That means that before we ever decided to follow him, he went ahead and he died for us. 
Before we ever said yes to Jesus, before we ever even started on this pathway of being a follower of Christ, before we ever started cleaning up our lives, before we ever started getting things right, when we were still completely wrong in everything, he still died for us. While we were still messed up, he died for us. Why? Because he longed to have a relationship with each and every one of us, even before you believed in him. So how can you really know that God loves you? It's as simple as this. Look at this picture. It's as simple as this. That's how you know. A crown of thorns on his head, nails in his hands, nails in his feet, a spear thrust into his side, his body beaten black and blue and his flesh torn from his, his back by the cat of nine tails. All of that says God loves you. You don't need to look any further than the cross to know that God loves you. And when you're feeling down and when you're feeling discouraged or you meet somebody who's feeling down and discouraged and feel like God must not really care, all you got to do is go to the cross. This says everything. He loves you. In fact, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. What he did, he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. In that verse of scripture alone right there, it proves his love for us because he says it with his words. The word of God says, for God so loved us. He shows it with his actions. He gave his one and only son. And then he sealed it with a promise that if we believe in it, we'll have everlasting life. God loves you. He loves me. He loves each and every one of us. Don't ever doubt his love. The second key to healing that broken heart is to believe that God wants to heal you. Do you believe that he wants to heal your broken heart? Do you believe that he wants your heart to be better? Do you believe that he wants your heart to be whole? You got to believe that he wants to. Isaiah 53, 4 says this. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. Now, most of the time when we read that passage out of Isaiah 53, we only think about him taking our sins to the cross. But you know what? He took more than our sins to the cross. He took our pain. He took our broken heart. He took uh, our shame. He took everything that is wrong with us and he took it to that cross. And he allowed it to be nailed to that cross so that we wouldn't have to carry it. He did that because we weren't made to carry that kind of shame. We weren't made to carry that kind of pain. We weren't made to carry that kind of grief. So he took it to the cross for us. You got to believe that he wants to heal you. Isaiah, I'm sorry, Psalms 147, verse number three says, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. That story of uh, the man walking down the Jericho road and he ended up found uh, the man who had been beaten and wounded and left half dead. It's a picture of how Christ comes to us. The good Samaritan, he comes to us and he binds up our wounds. He doesn't leave you the way you were. The priest and the Levite that walked by couldn't do anything for the man who was left there on the side of the road. But Jesus comes to us and he doesn't leave you the way you came to him. He doesn't leave you broken. He doesn't leave you wounded. 
He binds up your wounds. This is the beautiful thing about coming to Christ. Christ takes every single one of us just the way we are. See, because some people, they come to church and they think, oh, I can't be like those people. I can't act like those people. I can't live like those people. Wait, wait. You didn't know any of us when we first came to Jesus. (laughs) And listen, I know none of us are perfect. But we're a whole lot better than what we used to look like. (laughs) And the good news is that when we first came to Jesus, all jacked up, he took us just the way we were. But he didn't let us stay that way. He bound up our wounds. And he began to wrap us up in his love. And he healed us and he began to restore us and he began to make us whole because he wants change out of our lives. In fact, that's one of the things that I think some people don't get is, yes, here's that balance between how we how we interact with people who are broken. We love people exactly the way they are. But we have to love them in the same way Christ loves us. He loves us just the way we are. But he loves us so much, he doesn't want us to stay broken. So he binds us up and he wraps us up in his love and he heals our wounds to make us whole so that we don't have to stay broken. And we have to have that same kind of attitude with people. Now, we don't get frustrated and impatient with people when they're not moving quite as fast as we would like them to. Because remember how slow some of us were coming to the Lord? Aren't you glad somebody was patient with you? So we're going to be patient with people, but we, we do expect change. Can I get an amen? amen? It shows that we're being healed. You've got to believe that Jesus wants to heal your broken heart. In fact, Luke 4.18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, and he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free. I love what Oswald Chambers said in his book, Run Today's Race. He said this. He said, faith, and listen to this closely. He said, faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. Sometimes we confuse. Faith in God is different than faith for my deliverance. Faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. Faith means whether I'm visibly delivered or not, I'll stick to my belief that God is love. Because there are some things that are only learned in a fiery furnace. That means that God's love for us does not change if he doesn't deliver us from the fiery furnace. Because sometimes there are things that we need to learn in the furnace. I shared with our our staff and pastors just this last week that I wanted us to make sure that we embrace this three Hebrew boy mentality, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego mentality. And that mentality is that they, they had faith in God that he was able to deliver them. Because when they stood before King Nebuchadnezzar, if you remember, they stood before King Nebuchadnezzar, who demanded that everyone bow before his big idol or be thrown into the fiery furnace. They said, God is able to deliver us. But if he doesn't, we're not bowing. In other words, their faith in God to deliver them was different than trusting God if he didn't. 
Because some people would have a shallow enough relationship with God that their faith in God would end if God didn't do what they expected him to do. And there's a difference between having faith in what God can do and trusting him even if he doesn't. I compared it to this. If you've ever read the book by Jim Collins, Good to Great, he tells the story in the book about a man by the name of Jim Stockdale who was a Vietnam War veteran, an admiral, and was taken hostage and was was held captive as a prisoner of war in Vietnam for about an eight-year period, was tortured over 20 times during that eight-year period was starved, was, was beaten brutally, was, was treated horribly. He finally was released and was alive. And when he was being interviewed by Jim Collins for the book, he asked him, he said, hey, Admiral, who didn't make it out? And the Admiral said, that's easy. The optimist didn't make it out. Well, that didn't make sense to me because I would think the optimist, you would need to be an optimist if you're going to get through being a prisoner of war. He said, no, the optimist had this mentality. They all believe we're getting out by Christmas and Christmas would come and Christmas would go and their heart would be broken. We're getting out by, by Easter and Easter would come and Easter would go and their heart would be broken. He said, the optimist died of a broken heart. He said the people who made it were those who had a balance between realism and hope. And when I read that, I thought, I think that's kind of the same concept as having the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego mentality. We've got faith that God can do it. I got faith that he will do it, but I have trust in him that even if he doesn't, I'm not bowing to the devil. I'm not bowing to King Nebuchadnezzar. I'm not bowing to this world. I'm going to keep trusting in Jesus. I'm not giving up on him. And that's the way we have to live our lives. We've got to believe that God can heal my broken heart. But you know what? If he chooses to let my heart hurt a little longer than I would like him to, then I'm going to keep trusting that he knows what is best. Amen? Number three. In LA, if you would, come on back up here. Team, come back. I'm going to start wrapping it up. Number three, you got to give your hurt to Jesus. And here's what I mean by that. I know we, we say things like that. Just give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus. But what does that mean? Well, when we have our hurt, when our heart is broken, it's like that becomes our focus. Everything is measured by this pain in our heart. We do everything based upon how my heart feels. But when you give it to Jesus, you no longer use it as your measuring device for happiness. You don't use your broken heart as the determining factor for whether life is good or bad. When you give it to Jesus, you stop using it as your excuse. You stop using it as your reason. You stop you. In fact, you start ignoring it. You stop living by the pain of your heart. You say, well, it still hurts. Well, just quit acting like it. But you don't understand. Well, I understand. I've had a broken heart. More than one occasion. But to give it to Jesus means that I'm going to leave it in his hands. 
I'm going to trust him and I'm going to depend upon him. First Peter five, seven says, cast all your care on him because he cares for you. Just cast it on him. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Don't hold on to your pain. Just give it to Jesus. To me, it's a whole lot like this. When we have our whole life Everything about our life, our happiness, our unhappiness, our success, our failure, our friends and at work and success at work and all of that, it's all measured by this feeling of my heart. Then when I give it to Jesus, I stop measuring things by this feeling of my heart and I start measuring things by Jesus and Jesus alone. I've given it to him. And he begins to bring healing to my heart. It's, it's like this. How many of you have put your Christmas lights up? Okay. We got some Scrooges in the house. How many are planning on putting your Christmas lights up? Okay. Okay, put your, how many of you say, I'm just not participating this year? Not doing it? Not doing it? I said, oh, Scrooge, Scrooge. If you put your Christmas lights up or... Either way, you know this feeling. Pulling those Christmas lights out of the box. It's like demonic possession. I'm pretty sure I tried to roll these up neatly last year when I put them away. How did they get so tangled just laying here in a box for 365 days? I don't get it. I just don't get it. But they're all tangled up and and many times I've been like this, whether it was my Christmas lights or an extension cord, or it's just all tangled up and you're just, you're trying to get it all undone. You get so frustrated. And then, you know, Starla walks up and I got it. Whoop. You know, somebody else can walk up and with a cool head, just kind of see the problem because We've got a clouded view of it. And they just walk up and kind of untangle the thing. To me, when we give our hurts to Jesus, it's a lot like that. We don't see how to fix it because we're, our judgment is clouded by the pain and by the frustration. But when you give it to Jesus, you know what Jesus does? Jesus goes, it's all fixed. Just give it to Jesus. Turn it over to him. And here, number four, and I'll stop with this. And I'll ask for that great worship team one more time. Come on, because I'm, I'm closer to stopping now than I was a minute ago. Why, y'all drinking hot chocolate somewhere? Got some cider in the back? Somebody? Some musician? Somebody? Maybe I'll check and see if somebody's back here. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Hey, hey, can y'all hear? Y'all come on back, y'all. y'all come on. <laughs> They're all, they got their feet up around the fire. They had a little fire going back there and they had their feet up around the fire. <laughs> Here's the last thing. You want to get that broken heart healed? Confess it through prayer. Confess it through prayer. You say, Kendall, these are so simple. Yes, 
Sometimes we make the healing of a broken heart so difficult, so complex, but I believe God has made things very simple. You got to believe that he loves you. You've got to believe that he wants to heal your broken heart. You got to be willing to give it to Jesus. Quit measuring your whole life by this pain. Give it to Jesus. Let him unravel it. And then confess it through prayer because James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Look at it again. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Or confess your hurts to one another. Confess your pain to one another. Confess the brokenness to somebody. And pray so that you may be healed because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I don't know what kind of pain you may be going through. I don't know what kind of challenge you may be up against or maybe somebody that you may be facing. But here's what I want you to know. There is a God who wants to heal your broken heart. He loves us just that much. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And I'm going to ask some of our pastors, pastor's wives, prayer partners, would you do me a favor and just come and stand here across the front? Stand here across the front. Any of my elders or deacons or directors, if you're here, just come on down here and stand across the front. Mike, come on down here. Help me, brother. And we're going to take just a moment as we go back in to this moment of worship. And if you'll just go ahead and dim the house lights down for me, please. I know everybody is carrying some level of pain. And it may not be you. It may be somebody, I mean, your pain may not be self-induced. It may be somebody else in your family. You may be carrying the weight of somebody's hurt, the weight of somebody else's pain, the weight of somebody else's broken heart. When we read that scripture about confess our sins or confess our faults, I, I see it as confess our pain, confess our need, share your need, share your burden, and pray so that there may be healing because the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. There's something powerful in the prayer of agreement. We can do more together than we can by ourselves. And so while we're taking this moment to sing these next few moments and just lift up our voices and worship to God, if you've got a need in your life tonight, you'd like somebody to agree with you, then I want you to share that need so that we can pray and that there would be healing so that there will be a powerful and an effective solution in your life. If you know somebody in your family that is struggling in this season or somebody in your life at your work that's struggling this season with discouragement and with depression, you want to pray for them, bring it to this altar. Share that and let's pray and let's believe God to meet that need tonight. I want to pray. And then as soon as we pray and we begin to sing, I want to open up these altars. I want you to bring it to this altar and let somebody agree with you and pray for that healing to occur tonight. 
Father, I thank you that across this room, I know that there are people that are carrying burdens, burdens that are their own, and some are carrying burdens that belong to someone else. But I know that you don't want us to carry these burdens alone. You told us to cast our cares on you because you care for us. You told us to come to you if we're weary and heavy laden, if we're burdened. You said give that to you and you would give us rest for our souls. I pray for rest tonight. I pray for spiritual rest in people's hearts and in their minds. Some have been so stressed out. End of the year quotas and end of the year challenges and end of the year responsibilities. I pray for rest in this house. I pray for rest in this family. I pray for supernatural rest to come upon every single person in this room right now. And I believe that every broken heart will be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, these altars are open right now. Let's pray.